Isn't it good to have all the musicians up here? Especially one that's real special to me, my father. Who, yeah, go ahead. He's uh, 80, and he started learning. He started learning the trumpet at 70. He started learning the trumpet at 70. Don't tell me it's too late. It's surely not. God bless you, Dad. What a what a wonderful thing. Well, that's my uh, my devotion to my dad. Now comes our devotion to our Heavenly Father. I know you just sat down, and so I'm going to let you stay there, but what I'd like for us to do, if you'll take your bulletin, the Scripture's printed for us. And what I'd like for us to do this morning, this is the New American Standard. We usually use the English Standard Version, and that's fine, but this is the one that I kind of like, and I had done my work. But So we printed it this morning, and the main thing is that I want us all to read it together, out loud. That way we get God's Word not only in our head but in our, in our voices and on our tongues. And we say it, we hear it together with one another. So let's read from the book of 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 25, aloud saying, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh And the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lust. But the one who does the will of God continues to live forever. Children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us, but they went out, so that it would be evident that they are not of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, But because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth, who is the liar except the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you... See that what you heard from the beginning remains in you. If what you heard from the beginning remains in you, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. This is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. Will you pray with me? Lord, I said to someone this morning, even Pastor Rodney, that I've done all that a preacher knows to do except to stand up and preach. And so that's where we are. But God, this belongs to you. And so I give it to you with my whole heart. So Lord, let nothing but your word be spoken and nothing but your word be heard now among your people. Oh God, bless us in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Imagine all of you have seen or hopefully attended a baseball game. I love baseball. Played a little bit in high school, that kind of stuff. I was fairly good, but not all that great. But anyway, I love the game. But have you ever been to a game where little kids are playing? They're the best. They're the best. It's not just their innocence, but it's all those on the outside. Now, when they get a little older into uh, Little League and, and Pony League in high school, the parents are kind of rah, rah, rah. But at the little kids game, you will see more encouragement. Because what happens when they get up there, a little boy, maybe a little girl, and they dink the ball, and then they stand there. <laughs> and what does everybody holler? <laughs> Go! Run! Run, Forrest! <laughs> Go! You, I don't think there's any place where there is more encouragement on this earth than a little kid's baseball game except in this passage that we have from God today. It is just filled with encouragement from the Lord. Now, before we get to our text, we have to put it in context this is a part of a series of messages out of the book of 1 John. We're in the second chapter. And so to briefly bring it into context so that we can get all we can out of the text, we have to first remember that in, the second, uh, in this second chapter, the first thing that is brought to us is the love that we have with God. Our love for God and God's love for us. One of the ways that we are, know that we belong to God is that we love him. And one of the ways that we know that we love him is that we keep his commandments. And sometimes people say, is it if you love God, you keep his commandments? Or when you love God, you keep his commandments? What's the answer? Yes. It's both. It's a beautiful thing. And here's the, the, here's the best part is the way God loves us in this first part of the, of the chapter. It says that even when we don't keep God's commandments, we have an advocate, an intercessor, even a sacrifice. And what's his name? Jesus Christ. So that even when we fail God, God never fails us. And so we love God. We, God is loved. Uh, we are loved by God. The second is the love that we have for one another. And now that sometimes is a little harder. I like that the Bible doesn't say you have to like everybody, but you have to love everybody. Because some days I'm not very likable. Wendy, don't say a thing. <laughs> but we are to love one another. In fact, the Bible says that, listen to this, it says that if you say that you love God and yet you don't love your brother, your sister, your neighbor, it says you're a liar. Man, that's strong words. And so Jesus, that what he says is, and what John says to us, inspired by the Holy Spirit is, this is an old commandment because God always wanted us to love one another. But it's a new commandment because it wasn't possible before Christ. So it's an old commandment always in the heart of God that has now been made possible by the cross of Calvary so that we can love one another, even in spite of ourselves. Isn't that a beautiful thing that Jesus made it possible to do the thing that he commands us to do? There's power in that. Now, this is where verse 12 takes over, and he just pours on the encouragement. He says, children, and he calls them children, just like the little kids on the field. And it's not, he's not calling us childish. He's calling us childlike. 
to have that childlike heart of God. And that's the only way we can approach God is with the heart of a child. And so he says, children, here's the thing. And he gives this wonderful list. He says, you are forgiven. You know the Lord. Through Jesus, you have overcome the evil one. You are strong with the word of God in you. This is why we give Bibles to our children. I know they had no real way of understanding what we put in their hands this morning. But praise God, this is a congregation that's going to continue to teach them what's in that book. So that as they grow, they will be strong and they will, they will be all these things. And so what he's saying is, it's a great word of encouragement. He says, you're in the game. You've got a hit. Now go. Now we come to our text. We pick it up in verse 15. Do not love the world, nor the things of the world. Now, if we just started right there, don't love the world, and don't love the things of the world. That's kind of harsh, and so that's why we put this in context, to say that we're encouraged, he's encouraging us, just like we do the kids, to move forward, to go forward. But what does it mean when it says the world and the things of the world? Now, the world, the, the word used here is cosmon. It's not cosmos. It's not the planets and the stars and the earth and all that. It's a system. It's a world system that is filled with unbiblical ideas, unbiblical theologies, unbiblical philosophies, unbiblical economies. I'll take this. This is not political at all. It's just, uh, it's just economics. That the idea of socialism is an unbiblical economy because it's not based in freedom. It's based in mandate. You understand? And so what we want is what's based in freedom because we are free in Christ. One of the worst uh, unbiblical philosophies of the day is humanism. And that's the idea that we have lifted up, and you see this everywhere, the idea that we have lifted up humanity even above God, that the world revolves around each one of us. I, I, I heard an advertisement this week for a cell phone, young people, and it said, if you buy this cell phone, all eyes will be on you. Now, if you know you like I know me, I don't want all eyes on me all the time. The other thing is, it's a lonely place. Because if, if it's all about you and all about me, we're not going to get there. Who is it all about? The Lord. And let me tell you how this plays out in a very perverse kind of way. How many of you have heard of the woke culture? Okay. What the woke culture does... It's so unkind. It says, if you've made a mistake, and it doesn't matter how far back you've made this mistake, we're going to look you up from 20 years ago, and if you said one thing out of whack, according to the way we think, if you said one thing out of place in the way that we think, you're, you're going to be destroyed, not only shut up, but shut down. And I say, where's the grace in that? Where's the forgiveness in that? Let me tell you something. If that's woke, I want it to go back to sleep. God told me that. <laughs> I mean that. There's just some, I mean that. You preachers know what I'm talking about. You just get an inclination so he gets all the glory. The, the world, the things of the world, that's easy. It's all that stuff. 
It's all the shiny substitutes, like a good-looking apple in the garden when somebody's hungry. It's that stuff that calls out to you that says, I can solve your problems. I can make you feel better. I can stop the pain. And it's a lie, every bit of it. Point one on the screen, please. Because here's the thing. It's not just the world and the things of the world. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine unto them. You see, there's not only the system and there's not only the shiny things, there's this Satan. And let me tell you, especially young people, if you don't understand that just as much as there's a God who loves you and wants you to live, there's an enemy who hates you and wants you to be destroyed. Now that's tough. But notice this. You see the word, this word God there? What kind of G is it? Big or little? It's little. You know why? Because the big G's already conquered him. But he is allowed to a degree and for a time to be uh, an influencer in this world, to trip us up. And we do not negate that power, but we come against it. We, we understand. And so put the second one up because the next thing we do is you say, well, what do we do? If we have the world, we have the system, we have all these shiny things, and we have Satan. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be what? transformed by the renewal of your mind. You remember in school when you had chili con carne? There's chili, and I'm, that's chili con with beans. All right, that's the only Spanish I remember. And so you have, you have the world that's the form, and it tries to press you. The world wants to press you into its mold, but we aren't to be conformed, formed with. We are to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. Now, how do we renew our mind? Primarily, right here. Right here. If you want to know something is of the world or of the Father, all you got to do is check the Word. And that's not controversial. Man, that fries so many people's circuits. Oh, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. And God says, look, I just gave you the rule book. I gave you the love letter. I poured my heart out to you in words that you can understand, in words that you can preach so that you can be transformed and not be of this world, but be of of the Father. What an awesome, beautiful thing. Mm. The first verse tells that there's an enemy in the world. But the second one says of what we're to do. And here's why. The other half of of verse 15. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There's only two ways. There's love of the Father and there's love of the world. Now, on Tuesdays in staff meeting, Pastor Rodney brings the passage out for all the pastors to look at and make comments on so that whoever's preaching that day, normally Pastor Rodney, we get to have some input. And Rodney's input was, John, think about that word love. And I said, thank you, because God had showed me that. When I went, you know that there's three words for love in the Bible. There's eros, that's the romantic, uh, uh, physical love that we have between a man and a woman, period. And then there is the phileo, that's that brotherly love, that sisterly love that, that we enjoy as friends. And then what's the word for the highest form of love there is? Agape. You know your Bible. 
It's that agape love. And that's the word that is used here for loving the world or the things of the world or the love of the Father. What it's saying is don't waste your highest love. God didn't give us his scraps. He gave us his best. He gave us his son. Don't waste that highest form of love on anything other than the Father. And here's why. Verse 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away and also its lusts. Now, oftentimes when we think about or hear the word lust, we think in terms of sexuality, and that is there. But the real essence of lust is two things. There's an immediacy, and there is an intensity. The intensity is, I got to have it. The immediacy is, I got to have that now. You see, I got to have that, and I got to have it now. That's the essence of lust. That's what gets us in trouble. That's what, have you ever, you ever heard anybody say, I've been triggered? Man, your lust can get triggered so quickly. And it's the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh is that stuff that's already in us. Our drives, our appetites, our preferences, all those things that just in a, in a flash, and you know what I'm talking about, can just get triggered and it can be for all sorts of things. And the, the, that's the internal lust of the flesh. But the lust of the eyes are the things that we see, that we say, ooh, I got to have that, and I got to have it now. When you feel that intensity, and when you feel that immediacy, stop yourself. Just hang on and be careful. But I do want to come back to the idea of lust and sexuality. Because, friends, let me tell you, the bad news is that uh, the research that is shown to us that Christians have just as much problem with pornography and all the different sexual sins in the world as the rest of the world. And that's not good. It's not good for us. And it's not good for God's kingdom. It's not a good witness. And it's a terrible witness to those who are lost that we are wanting to reach out and be saved. So, brothers and sisters, if you're watching something you shouldn't watch, turn it off. Watch this. Show the next, this next uh, PowerPoint, please. Read that with me together. Ready to go. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. What that means is the word provision, don't provide for it. Don't feed it. If you have a problem with a substance, don't go where that substance is. If you have a problem with the screen, don't turn it on. Young people, I know Pastor Kevin's preaching at uh, Reedy Fort today, and I'm sure a lot of the young people with him, so somebody tell him I said this. If you have to take your cell phone, if it's messing you up, you throw that thing in the water. Because what does it profit of the man to gain everything but loses what? Soul. Don't play around. Jesus said if your right hand sins, cut it off. If you left, cut it off. Now, this is metaphorical language, but I'd rather go into heaven looking like a popsicle stick than with all of my limbs. I'm here. And trust me, I'm not here to entertain you, but this is tough stuff. This is really difficult. There's more. Time's running out. The time is running out. Children, it's in the last hour. 
And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have appeared. But from this we know that it is the last hour. How many innings in most baseball games? Nine. Some people would argue we're in the ninth inning. But let me give a word of caution on that because sometimes we go, oh, the Lord's coming back right away. We don't know that. This was written 2,000 years ago, and he says it's the last hour. The last hour began when Jesus ascended into heaven. That's when the last days began, all right? And so because sometimes when we keep our heads looking up, waiting for his return, we're just like the disciples who watched him go into heaven. The angel had to walk up and say, get busy, get out there. The Lord's told you what to do. So whether this is the last hour, the last minute, the last second, There's opportunity. There's opportunity for the gospel. There's opportunity for you to go to somebody that you know doesn't belong to Jesus and love them into the kingdom. And this is why discipleship is so important because we got to help one another. You know when that kid hits that ball, and if you've ever played, you know what I'm talking about, and they get around first base, and they're rounding first, and what do they see? Except for the catcher, eight guys trying to get them out. Eight guys that are against them and sometimes they go whoop and they want to stop and that's why we have to help them keep going that's why the crowd says go go don't turn back keep going and this is why we we are to help one another we are to encourage one another the pastor rodney has us discipling people and there's two brothers that i'm discipling and they're discipling me right back because this world is difficult and it says here the antichrist Pastor Kevin, uh, when we were meeting this this past Tuesday, as as I said, he did a quick Google search. And he said, you know, the word Antichrist is used five times in the New Testament. And three of them are in this passage. And that's an element of intention by God that he wants us to understand what this is. It's not what you might call the big A Antichrist, the the, the ultimate enemy. And I don't give him a big A because God's already defeated him. But what this is, is the spirit of of Antichrist that's in the world. And you know, one of the worst things that's, 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 that's bad is this. It says, they went out from us. They were not really of us. For if they had been of us, they would have remained with us. But they went out so that it would be evident that they are all not of us. You know, one of the worst philosoph- excuse me, theologies that's in the world today that is pervasive and it is destroying so many denominations. And that is the idea that everybody's going to heaven no matter what they've done with the king of glory. That everybody's saved no matter, what, no matter if they've ever called on Christ for salvation. That is, a, that is from the pit of hell and it's one of the greatest offenses to the cross of Calvary because if you could go to heaven without the death of Jesus, then, then Jesus died for nothing. But he didn't die for nothing. He died for you and he died for me. And all we have to do is say yes. Yes. So we help one another because that spirit is already in the world. And it's, and it's gone out from the church. It is even in some so-called churches. I won't name any because I don't want your names. I don't want your minds going to those places. And I don't need the amens. But just listen to the, what's being preached today. The stuff about money. The stuff about your best life. All kinds of things that, that have nothing to do with sin and salvation and grace and love and truth. It's in the world. Next point. Read with me again. Go. But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Now, demons don't show up going... 
They don't. They come deceptively. They come under the wire. They make it sound so good. And yet it is nothing but destruction. And so it says, and, and here's, the, here's one of the ways that we can prepare ourselves. Because Paul told Timothy, God told Paul, Paul told Timothy, God told us that there's going to come time when the people are going to fall away. Don't fall away. And if you see someone falling away, for goodness sakes, and for the sake of Christ and his kingdom, grab them and hold them and love them and help them. And it says, the next one, one more, and from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. There are all kinds of perversions in the world. We read about a lot of these in, in times of, uh, in the past 20, 30 years, uh, places like Jim Jones and Guyana and the cults and all that kind of stuff. But there are cults of personality. We, we celebrate celebrity in this country. If you are an influencer, you've made it. And, and oftentimes that influence is not of God. So we, we, we work against that. Now here's the best part, because that was kind of rough. The world and the flesh and the, and, the, and the next. But read verse 20. Just verse 20 out loud with me to get this great encouragement. Ready, go. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. And then it, and then it continues. I'll read it. I've not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. I love those two words, but you. Say, but me. Say, but I, in Christ, have an anointing. Now, sometimes we get way out of whack about that Holy Spirit stuff, don't we? Sometimes we just, we, we, and this is one of the problems we have in the church. People don't misunderstand. They think if the Holy Spirit gets you, you're supposed to flop around on the floor and act like some kind of thing that I, that I don't know what, or starts, you know, babbling all these different kind of things. Now, the, 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 Bible, uh, the Bible talks about all that, the tongues and that kind of stuff. But what this is, is this, you have something that has been done to you. It has been done to you by God. It is the impartation of the Holy Spirit. The impartation, now in the times of old, anointing meant they put oil on their heads. Ooh, okay? I don't want that, but I want an anointing of my heart. I want an anointing of my soul. I want an anointing of my mind. And not just to stand up on a Sunday and preach, but to be able to walk Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and all week long, letting my gentle spirit be known among everyone, trusting God, being anxious for nothing, trusting uh, the church and moving forward in faith. It's an awesome thing, and it's done by God. And here's what's awesome. And even Pastor Kyle said, as we were looking at the Scripture, he said, John, you know what just amazes me in this? And I said, what? And he says, we have the same spirit that Jesus did. And I started to go, duh. <laughs> but that would be disrespectful. And what he was saying was true. Where's Kyle? See, there he is. And I said, I have a specific sentence for that. And here it is. If the church of Jesus Christ ever really took seriously the fact that we have the same spirit in us that empowered Jesus Christ, it would change the church and it would change the world. Man. So let's be about that. What's the next point? Watch this. Now he who established us with you in Christ, there's community, and anointed us is whom? 
God did it, who also sealed us and gave us the spirit in our hearts as a pledge or a what? A down payment. So you understand what it's saying? If anybody doesn't believe in the Trinity, read this verse. Because it brings together the Father, the Son, and especially the next one. What it says is we have been given that spirit. He has established us with you. That's, that's a feeling of community. And that's why we come every week. We know that sometimes we have to live stream and, and COVID and pandemics and all that kind of stuff. But the Bible says do not forsake the assembly of yourselves together. So we come back together because God has brought us together. And the br- greatest thing is we're always going to be together. In heaven above and on earth below. So God has established this and he's given us that seal, that, that, that anointing as a down payment. And we're not talking about a seal like an animal. We're talking about the spirit of God as a down payment. And what's it a down payment for? Let's keep going. Jesus answered, excuse me, we know that the truth We know the truth, and we don't need to be deceived anymore because we have the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit together. And so we don't have to be deceived by the enemy anymore. You know, when that kid rounds second base, and he's he's going towards third, and he realizes, I better get there because the ball's coming, and he doesn't know where that ball is. We don't know when something's going to come up. We don't know when a tragedy, we don't know when an error, we don't know when a mistake, we don't know when anything's going to happen to us. But what we know is we have the Father, the Son and Holy Spirit and we keep going in verse 22 because it says that there's a liar out there. Who is the liar except the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist the one who denies the Father and the Son. Verse 23 Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Father, excuse me, confesses the Son has the Father also. Put the next one up. Read that with me. Ready? Go. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will follow my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. You ever had God over to your house? I hope he's there right now. I used to tell little children that sometimes when I was younger and the senior adults would come in and say, Those kids are running all over the sanctuary. And I said, yeah, but aren't you glad we got the kids? You know? And then I would say, now kids, what if God ran through your house? And they went, oh, like, you know, trying to teach them how to be reverent. See, I took care of the kids in one way, and then I taught the kids in another way. But I said, what would happen if God ran through your house? Oh, that's a big thing. But God is in our house. He's in our homes. He's in our hearts. And as we keep going... What is that goal? When the kid's round in third base, is he supposed to just stop there at third base? Where, is he, where do we want him to go? We want him to go home. I hit a triple one time. No, actually, wait a minute. I, got it. I hit a single. I was on first base. I wound up on third. You, you'll go with me. I looked at the coach, and he gave me a sign. And I thought, he wants me to steal second. And so what I do, and I was a catcher. I wasn't that great of a runner. I thought he, coach told me what to do. I got to do what he tells me. I took off running. Safe. Stood up. Yay. I looked at the coach. He gave me another sign. And I thought, no, wait a minute. Many people 
steals second, but nobody, especially old clunking catcher, steals third. But I had to do what he told me, what I thought he told me to do. So what I do, pitcher winds up, I take off running, safe. And I stood up and he leaned over and he said, what are you doing? (laughs) I could not admit to him that I had the signals wrong. And you know what? They stranded me. There was nobody out. They stranded me on third base. But before the next pitch, the the coach reached over and grabbed my shirt and said, don't move. (laughs) Because where did I want to go? I wanted to go home. And not right now to heaven. And this is what's awesome. If any of you are paying attention and thought I missed verse uh, 17, you're wrong. I, I was saving it. But the one who does the will of God continues to live forever. Huh? Continues. Because the last verse says, if anyone does the will of God, he will, have, he will, have, he will live forever. He will have eternal life. Here's the thing. Because we say, wait a minute, what is eternal life? Does that start when we get to heaven? Or is it, does it start when Jesus brings heaven to, to us? Yes. Where does my hand start and stop? It doesn't. It always is. That's the eternal nature of God. God doesn't wear a watch. He's not worried about what time I'm supposed to sit down. He is always is. And that's the eternal life that we have even before we get to heaven because we know the Lord and we know, his, we know the Son, the Father, and we have the Holy Spirit. And so we don't have to wait until we die to enjoy the Lord and all the things of the Lord. We begin to love God and love one another when God comes to us in Christ. And in that way, home is brought to us. Praise God. Even if we get stranded on the third base of life, we're walking around with home in us. And then on that day when it comes time, and yes, Jan Neese passed this morning, Rodney alluded that to, to that in his prayer. I, I wanted to impart that to you. You know where she is right now? She's at home. And it's all because Jesus did the will of the Father. It's all because Jesus Christ said, God, not my will, but your will be done. And friends, I'm telling you, the same invitation is for you today. Now, you may know the Father. You may know the Son. You may have the Holy Spirit. So today, you may be celebrating. But let me say to anybody who's saddened right now, who says, I don't have any of that. I don't hardly know what that guy's talking about. Let me tell you something. Those of you who are in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you're going to be praying during this next prayer. You're going to be praying for those who, who may be feeling that conviction, that invitation. And you don't have to come forward. You can come forward and get on your face. It doesn't matter. Or you can stay right where you are and hope, open your heart, mind, and soul to God and say, Lord, here I am. I want to do your will. I want to know you. I want to go home. And I want home to be with me right now. There's a place for everybody in this prayer. If you will do the will of God, you will enjoy eternal life. Let's pray. God, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to tell people about you. And God, I thank you for whatever your spirit is doing right now, whether it's in this room, whether it's by technology. Lord, your spirit is not 
diminished by our limitations. And your word always comes back filled with the accomplishments for what it went out. So God, I pray right now that your word would be speaking into the souls of people, letting them celebrate because they do know you, letting them confess their sin if they are in the flesh or in the eyes, in the world, that they can let go of those things and return to you. And Father, we know that any time we return to you, you run to us with open arms. So come to us now. And Lord, most of all, come to even one, Lord, even one who doesn't know you and yet they want to. They know now, they've heard it, and now there's their responsibility and their joy to reply. Lord, I pray that the fragrance of your grace will linger in our hearts and minds throughout this week as we love you and praise you and as we pray in Jesus' holy name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen indeed. Thank you. Let's stand as we continue to worship. We're going to sing Blessed Assurance, but we're going to sing it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm.